Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody, it's Wednesday, August 22nd, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Greetings. Mr. Bob Ryer. Ciao. And Stephanie Cook. Bonjour. Oh, we're new language today. Yes. Bellissimo. Yes. bene. Mwah. All right, so um, we're excited to be here. Just so you guys know, if you guys have been seeing us tweeting about this, blah, 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 whatever, uh, Jeff Lemire, we did an interview with Jeff Lemire. Jeff it's go- it's going to be coming out on Friday. So not today, not tomorrow. Well, it depends on when you listen to this, really. But Friday, look for it then. Believe me, we'll tweet about it. It'll be everywhere. But we talked to him already. It was a great interview, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Yeah. Um, so this week, we decided that we were going to uh, be a little more freeform. Uh, not a lot of big news happened. We know that this is uh, technically the 50th anniversary of the Spider-Man publication date, uh, but uh, we're actually going to wait until next week to talk about that, so A, we can talk about the issue that's coming out, and B, we're going to have Rob on, uh, you know, Desk1020 from Twitter. Desk? D- dusk. dusk. Desk. Yeah. What a boring that's name his, that would be. That's his desk. alter ego. And my name is Couch790. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the show, because he is a huge Spider Man nut. Um, so we're going to, next week, we'll talk about history of Spider Man, our favorite Spider Man stories. Um, it'll be a good time. But, Bob, you had a little qualm about this 50th anniversary thing. Yeah, because it's cover dated August. That doesn't mean it came out in August. It came out in May or April. I mean, that's the way books came out back then. But it makes sense. They want to say it's August. So right. it's August. Uh, it's a minor quibble, but a quibble. So a little little history lesson from Bob, which will precede his other history lesson next week when he tells us about some Spider-Man history. Yeah. So that'll be good, and that'll be fun. But uh, <laughs> Well, maybe. <laughs> I think we'll, it's fun. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But for this week, uh, we have a couple listener questions that are kind of we didn't get to in the last couple weeks, so ah. we're going to get to those eventually. Um, we also, But we're going to talk about books. It's going to be comics, comics, comics on this podcast today. Um, so hmm. starting out, uh, before we get to Book of the Week, I want to ask you, Bob, mm-hmm. uh, today marks, I think, the first time in a very long time that the Rocketeer will have a, uh, an ongoing. I am so psyched. You are very excited. Yes. Mark Wade. Mark Wade, who I think gets it. I've seen some of the preliminary artwork, mm-hmm. and it's very Stevens-esque mm-hmm. without trying to be a copy of Dave Stevens, which is nearly impossible. Uh, some new characters being introduced. Yes, I'm really excited. This is the first time in it's probably 15 years mm-hmm. since there's a brand new, brand new story. Right. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Thank you, IDW, for you know, testing the waters with the the mini series they were doing. Two mm-hmm. of those with you know little stories in between. Lots of creators. Can't wait for tomorrow. Because I'm buying nothing tomorrow. Basically, I'm buying the Rocketeer tomorrow. Well, since you love the character so much, will you write a review for us for the site, Bob? No. 
No? Well, <laughs> Jesus. Of course I, of course You're I fired. Will. You are fired. Come on, I did the oh last one. I love some Rocketeer. You're out of here. I'll watch the Rocketeer, too. You should watch Rocketeer that movie. Rocketeer Week. The movie is awesome. It is I've awesome. only seen it once. I don't remember <gasps> it. You should watch I remember it pieces again. of it. I don't remember much. Highly underrated. Some Timothy Dalton action. Ooh. Playing Errol Jennifer Conley. Yeah. Big eyebrows. <laughs> She's very beautiful. No, I know. It's like Stephanie do her, uh, oh, her, weird her Wayne Campbell whatever thing. Do it. <laughs> no, no, you can't do can't it on command. The pressure's oh, on. Yeah, yeah. She did it again. We were talking over yeah, it. Yeah. Hold on. Ready? Oh. Go. <laughs> oh, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Forget oh, it. Okay. There you go. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, yes. Okay. I got very, that's very, uh, coming really I, off. Off track on that one. Rocketeer. We're, do, we're doing Rocketeer, the Rocketeer. Rocketeer. It'll be great. Yes, it'll be great. Um, speaking of great, Bob, you want to talk about Captain Marvel, number two. Yes. Uh, this is what comic books should be. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick has found a character that's been sort of thrown onto the trash heap over the last 10 or so years, taken all the bits of it from every possible avenue that, that this character has gone down and pulled it back from the brink uh, Carol here as usual, she, she's in charge but her, she's her own worst critic and she, she's hardest on herself than anyone and so she has a chance to, to set a, a flight record because she is a pilot we're, we're remembering that she's a pilot and, mm-hmm. and military and gets to the record, ties the record of her hero and has to go one more foot. It's not good enough. Not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that one more foot causes shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't want to, not everyone's gotten this. A lot of stores have sold out of this mm-hmm. because n- no one places their pre orders on my, one of my old pet peeves. <laughs> uh, crazy things happen and she finds herself somewhere she doesn't expect. And without the handbook. It is but, a crazy can turn. I, can yeah. I ask? Yeah. Did anybody else get a sucker punch feel? Oh, absolutely. From, absolutely. Right, yeah. Cool, thank you. Yeah, from the, yeah. T- the like the team she runs into? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, Stephanie, did you get a chance to read Captain Marvel number two? I didn't, but I picked it up digitally and at my local comic book store. Look Good at for you. Them. Yes. Good Ooh. for them. Super supporting. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dexter Soy's artwork, again, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's someone mm-hmm. I had never, I don't know about the rest of you guys, I had never seen... No. His art before, but I pulled open this center spread, which is just my favorite page. This vista, just she's looking over an encampment with a giant moon and mountains. It is just so you feel the crickets chirping. Mm-hmm. It is just a, it's just a real shot. It, it's it's genuine, yet still exaggerated enough to be comics. Yeah, you know, it's not photorealistic. It is just really special, and I. I I can't say enough about this book. Steve, I know you're a fan, too. Yeah, well, I wrote um, I wrote the review for it this past week, and um, it's like I said, the first line uh, of the review was that, she, you know, it's nothing's ever good enough for her. She yeah. She's always pushing forward. Um, what's the name of her, her friend from the beginning of the... I'm drawing a blank. All right, well, yeah. their relationship between the two of them, um, I think, is... Tracy. Is, tra- is just... I, I think it's wonderful. Um, she's not in the book much, but when she is, she has a very, very strong presence, and the banter between the two of them cracks me up. Um, Dexter Soy's art is absolutely just beautiful, and uh, it's it's just a it's a shining example. Captain Marvel is a shining example of what it takes to be 
a strong female character, not even a strong character, just a really good character Mm -hmm. in comic books, especially right now with all the women in comic stuff and them like making a, a mark for themselves in the industry now that it's always been there, but now it's like more attention's being paid to it. It's on the rise. And I just think she's a, a great role model and a great character that other people should be paying attention to, to strive towards mm-hmm. being, not to be like her exactly, but just to have the the presence and to have the the, the power and steadfastness that she does right. about mm-hmm. her conviction. She's mm-hmm. so dedicated to living up to this legacy that she will throw herself onto on top of a grenade mm-hmm. to 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 help people. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So that's that's my thoughts on it. It's awesome. She reminds me a lot, especially in this book, a lot of like a female Tony Stark in in some ways. Um, it, 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 especially that that the flight record thing just it calls back to me in Iron Man one a lot of thing where he he's pushing to go higher and higher and higher. Obviously, a lot of differences between her the characters, yeah. but she has that same like she doesn't. She doesn't believe that there is a ceiling, you know, to what she can no. do, and even to the point of stupidity, she'll go beyond wh- what she can do just to force it and she, to get that thrill, to get that feeling, you know. And uh, I thought that was really cool. I, I think that the twist, like I said, is is really bizarre. Like I did not what I expected at all. No. Uh, really, a lot of fun, and I, I love you know Carol's kind of realization of, of what's happening to her. I don't want to give it away, obviously, because Stephanie hasn't even yeah. read it, but uh, it reminded me a little bit of the way that, um, and it's not, the, it's not the same kind of twist at all, really, but the way that Peter deals with like the Spider-Man thing, where he ends up in their dimension, where he's just mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, is this what's happening? You know, uh, mm-hmm. It's I, very I realistic. It it's take that step back and a deep breath, okay, I have to deal with this, yeah. and how? Yeah, it's the subverting of the, of the genre, it's subverting mm-hmm. of the you could go through pages and pages of her not believing her situation or you can just have her realize her situation and cut through all of that usual stuff <laughs> that characters go through. Uh, really great stuff. And the Dexter Soy stuff, it's just, it can't be said enough how beautiful the book is and he really hasn't done anything up until this point. Mm-hmm. Like He's on a couple of, of stuff but not really stuff you'd really know. So it's great to see it. Yeah, perfect I, marriage of the art yeah. to the words too. Where very often yeah. they they're in conflict. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. And I like um, I like that the twist happens about midway through the, yeah. the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The book. It's not like it ends with the twist that you got to wait another month mm-hmm. to find out what's going on. Yeah. That it's yet another issue that catches you mm-hmm. and makes you like the, again another final page that you absolutely want yeah. to read the next issue oh, yeah, as soon absolutely. as it hits yeah. the shelves. Yes, we, I just opened the book up to the, this last two pages. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, it, and it always ends with one line that just gets you pumped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Huzzah. Absolutely. I'm really excited, too. This week is Fan Expo in Toronto, and I'm, a friend of mine is going as Captain Marvel. Oh, and cool. um, I'm really excited to see her costume. A professional costume maker put her outfit together, and Neat. I'm stoked. Pictures, I'll we take want some pictures, photos yeah. and um, post them. Our friend uh, Lauren Colleagues was actually, she said something to me the other day, and I completely agree, that they should market a hoodie that is designed uh, to look yeah. like her suit. Oh, yeah, that'd be uh, perfect. Like, you see them in previews all the time. Like yeah. The, the, the Iron Man one, the Cap- yeah. yeah. To have a, a Captain Marvel one would be awesome. I'd wear it. Absolutely, it's pretty. It's an awesome costume. Probably would. Yeah, you know Um, you would. (laughs) What I said, they probably will. Um, I know, but I know you'd wear it. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought I. Would you wear it? Definitive answer: Yes or no. Would I wear it? Yes. There you go. 
See, I yeah. can predict the future. Talking comics, asking the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> Will you wear this Captain Marvel hoodie? Yes or no? Four. Zipper up or down? That's oh. next time. That's next time? <laughs> yeah, that's next time. <laughs> so like, like the dot, dot, dot. hoodies too, like the Captain America one, where the hood becomes like uh, Captain's. Like you can, it goes that's over your saying. eyes and everything too, and it becomes his Those cool little thing. fin things on the side? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. He doesn't have those anymore. No, she... Oh, she yeah. I'm not... All right. Yeah. I won't spoil the, yes. the, the goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Stephanie, since you didn't read Captain Marvel, what did you read this week that you wanted to talk about? Well, we said that we were talking comics, 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 mm-hmm. and that's actually kind of a lie because I'm actually talking about a book today. That's true. You oh. know, with words. Get that out <gasps> of there. We don't want any books. <laughs> or you're going to yeah. hate my next one. So, um... I kind of was feeling, like, I mean, I love my comic books, don't get me wrong. We know I read tons of them every week. But I'd kind of been neglecting my bookshelf. And so I decided to uh, read a book that all of my friends have been telling me that I would love. And um, so I was looking at my books and I was like, oh, you know, I'm looking for something. I want to read this. And uh, that book is Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Um, basically, the premise for this book, it's um, set probably like, I think, about 40 years in the future and um you know there's an energy crisis there's um global warming's gone all crazy batshit and there's an overpopulation uh situation and just everything's kind of gone to shit and um <laughs> wonderful they have they have this uh virtual reality actually kind of a bit like summer wars uh steve Ooh. where they have a virtual reality that they can it's kind of taken over the internet. I love that movie. Um, and you can kind of, you can live your life in these virtual worlds and, um, you can attend the school there. And, um, basically it's, it's a very, 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 to me, a very realistic seeming future fiction. Um, if that makes any sense yes. at all. Yeah, it totally yeah. does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this eccentric, bajillionaire who's basically created this internet or this um it's called oasis that's their uh summer wars internet simulation where you wear like a visor and you can interact with the world and kind of be in it and um he's passed away he has no heirs no no one to leave his money to and so he decides to hold a contest and this world is like infinite it's like world of warcraft times like a bajillion you know, there's all these worlds people can travel to, and um, this billionaire creates this contest, and basically the person who can solve this riddle and find these keys and all this stuff will inherit his billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it kind of, when I first read this synopsis, when the book came out, I believe last year or the year before, it didn't really catch my eye. And I only picked it up because, again, my friends and my friends who opinions I hold in high regard were like, you will really enjoy this book. You need to read it. So I just took their word for it and dove into it. And like, since last night, I'm 200 pages in and it's just completely captivated me. Um, there's all kinds of geeky references in it. Um, I mean, the opening paragraph starts with talking about, um, Danny Elfman's band, Oingo, Oingo Boingo and the song dead man's party. Oh, classic. Um, there's all these references to 80s pop culture and comic books and all these great movies and John Hughes movies. And 
it's just such a great book that's intermixed with so much fun pop culture stuff. Um, I think any geek will appreciate it. And um, it's so far for me, something that I'm not going to put down until it's done. That's awesome. It's funny that you should bring that up tonight. That's actually been floating around uh, the Facebooks a little bit on my timeline. A lot of people uh, seem to be reading that right now. Um, Logan from uh, our friend Logan from uh, Movie Fan Central, Joe Blow, he was uh, talking about it today. And I remember this afternoon you said that you might uh, talk about it. And it's just like, I'm definitely, definitely going to pick it up. Um, it sounds a little bit like um, like uh, Gamer meets like Summer Wars meets um, kind of like a, uh, what, is the, what is that simulator that they have? Real life or second, second, second life? Second life? Yeah. Like a really, really like a way advanced 40 years later version of Second Life mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. Yeah. Like, I mean, um. I think I was talking, who was I talking to about it today? Andrew Rothstan. Sorry if you're listening and I'm saying your name wrong. I'm sorry. Um, but we were discussing it and he's like, you know, it's not like it's a literary masterpiece or anything, but it's a lot of fun. And he even said that it would make a really great movie. And I'm inclined to agree. It would be a lot of fun. And, um, I mean, you can even go animated on it and do something along the lines of like summer wars or paprika and all that stuff Ooh. and make it really trippy and two of my favorites. Wow. <laughs> So it's it's a really great read so far and I'm I'll update you guys when it's all done and everything but um I can't put it down once I we're done with the podcast I'm <laughs> going to be reading until like 2 a.m. so Awesome. Wow. Very nice. Very very cool. Um Steve, you've been catching up on a book that we talk about quite a bit on this show. Yes. Why don't you tell us what you've been reading? Um, well, I've been bouncing around a lot and um one of the things that I decided to catch up on because I actually I went ahead and I bought the Daredevil movie. Okay, the, right. The, yes. the director's cut. Right. We, and I watched it. Right, yeah. Did we talk about it? I think we mentioned this last week on the show, yeah. All right. Yeah. It was all right. Anyway, <laughs> um, I decided, I, I read, uh, you talked about issue number seven. Yes. When they were ta- trapped in the, yeah. with the blankets and everything. Mm-hmm. So I went back and I got the trade for one through six and I have, you know, seven through current and mm-hmm. single issues. I think I've read up to about maybe 10 or 11, but... Um, this is my first official, um, introduction to the Daredevil character. Mm-hmm. I never really knew anything about him before this and I like him. Yeah. I like him a lot. Um, I don't think that it's, it, it's, it's, it's not like it's not blowing me away, but it's a very solid hero book. And I like that he kind of sits on the fence of between being a hero and not not an anti-hero, but there are things that happen that he he ignores. There are dangers that he just doesn't tend to. Either he figures somebody else is going to take care of it, or he just just got through doing something and doesn't want to go back out. He mm-hmm. couldn't be bothered. Um, and I absolutely love... Um, I mean, aside from Oracle, I don't know if I've ever read a character that has like a, a major disability right. to them. And the way that um, that Mark Wade writes it and the way that he weaves it into the story is really quite genius. Um, it puts him in a vulnerability or uh, just a, a standpoint as a hero where he's he's so there's lots of heroism and he's so fantastic. But at the same time, he's completely impaired. And, you know, God forbid there be a situation where they screw with the the radar sense that he has. Right. To see him 
get out of those situations is quite cool. Mm. And probably my favorite aspect of the book um, is his back and forth and his relationship with Foggy. Foggy, yeah. Foggy cracks me up. Um, the the lawyer stuff, I'm not I'm not into so much. Okay. Um, it wasn't really a huge part of, especially the first six issues. I mean, they had stuff going on, but they didn't spend a lot of time in the courtroom. Right. You didn't really get to see him do any kind of litigation or anything mm-hmm. like that, which was good because it focused more on the daredevil aspect and his, um, his routine mm-hmm. with being that character and trying to deal with the idea that people, the public, everybody thinks or knows that he's Daredevil. Yeah. And at every turn, he's got to just shrug it off. Mm-hmm. But then there'll be people where he's like, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, like, I know that you know that I'm Daredevil, but I'm not Daredevil. But here's a really big tip for you. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So he gets free hot dogs and shit. <laughs> I'd love a free hot dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I dig it. I, um... And I absolutely, just to point it out, um, the cover for the trade, I guess, was the cover of the first issue. Uh, I was staring at it tonight. It is absolutely genius. Um, I mean, I head up the favorite comic book covers every week, and the fact that I missed this one when it came out angers me greatly, <laughs> because it would have been on there. It would have been number one for that week. It's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's a great cover. Uh, yeah, Wade's take on Daredevil is interesting, because the character... Uh, for a long time, was kind of stuck in this. Not stuck, because there's some really good stuff. The Bendis stuff is good. The Brubaker stuff is good. But the character was very, very, very serious for a long mm-hmm. time. You know, he it was very much about, you know, being gritty and being he he's he's weighed down by the guilt of all the things that have happened to people that he loved and cared about. And Wade kind of decided, okay, we're gonna get rid of that for a while. And the way they did that, he did it in a character way. Matt, you know, consciously decides, I'm not going to be the sad sack Matt Murdock anymore. I'm going to be, I'm going to change my life. I'm gonna, my life is going to get better. Um, and a lot of the book deals with him having to go through situations that test that I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a happier person situation. So it's almost almost meta in a, in a certain in a certain way uh not intentionally i don't think but it turns into almost wade's kind of deal to make him a more affable character uh what i love about the book and you're absolutely right the loring stuff is not a big big part of the wade run no. on daredevil it's much more about him being daredevil and dealing with all these uh these things he's going through and they have these great pocket issues first of all wade's great almost every issue you could pick up and start reading and you'd be okay because almost every issue he does a reintroduction to the character in a, in a creative uh, and subtle way, which, which is fantastic. Um, and I kind of enjoy every issue getting to see what that's going to be and how he's going to put it in. Cause I've never been like, Oh, we're going through this again. I've always been engaged by it. Right. Uh, you know, there's, you're talking about the moments where he, Matt is very big in the, in the issues about being like, I'm not daredevil. So to, to many people, and there's one scene, and I'm, if you've gone through issue ten, you've seen this scene. It's uh, you got the part part with Spider Man when he's Spider Man and Black Cat. Yes, are in it. So there's this moment, which is one of my favorite moments of the entire run, where he's talking to this girl. I think it's his assistant, and she's like, "Oh yeah, can Daredevil come help out with this? Can you get the Avengers to help with Daredevil do this?" And he's like, "I'm not Daredevil. I'm not Daredevil." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like a bubble comes from off panel that says, "Hey, Daredevil!" And yeah. it's Spider Man like <laughs> hanging over. Yeah. 
And, it, and it's just this great little awkward moment. He's like, he just looks at him. And Spider-Man's kind of like, oh. That's awesome. Okay. And I, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, I was showing you before in issue number one, uh, the one panel that I, I absolutely loved is when he crashes the wedding of the daughter of like the big mob boss. Yeah. And he swoops in. And while he's trying to thwart an assassination, he, you know, mm-hmm. totally like the cover of Gone with the Wind, uh, you know, leans the, the bride over and, and mm-hmm. plants one right on her lips. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a fuck you, and it's such a great, like, just a, a his character that he's, he does these things. He's mm-hmm. just like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smooch the bride and then skip right. off, because I'm Daredevil. I'm, yeah. You know, he's kind of, he kind of has that, like, Tony Stark playboyish thing mm-hmm. a little bit about him at times. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much as Tony Stark, but right. when he, when he does have it. He goes, he like he goes for the gusto, yeah. which I think is really cool. Well, yeah. It's a, it's a return to what his character was as created. He was not Spider Man, mm-hmm. but he had his own sort of banter, and he was always a little freewheeling and a little suaver than Spidey was because he was a grown up and he was a professional. Right. But you know, Miller's run was great, but mm-hmm. it started down that road, and then since then he's been wallowing is the perfect mm-hmm. word in all this stuff. Really, well, bad things happened to Karen Page and so on okay. and so forth. But this is still. Tremendously heroic. That issue seven with the kids in mm. the bus. If, did that win an award? Because yeah, the only Eisner. Okay. Best, that's I mean, still my favorite one. Best individual it's issue. A, it's just incredible. The past issue. And I'm not going to spoil anything because I know you haven't caught up to it yet. But it's um, Michael Allred did the art for it, and it's uh, an issue similar to that uh, kids in the snow issue where it's like a single idea about Matt and Matt's remembering something, um, and there's something that happens in it that's so intrinsic to the character. Mm. A moment that. It's so beautifully, uh, beautifully sad that I can't, I can't believe that like we've gotten two issues this great of this book so close together, and the run in general has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even you know uh, the only thing I didn't really love was the Punisher crossover stuff. Now reading the Punisher, the Punisher is really good, and there's this great moment in the Punisher, and this isn't a spoiler where there's somebody who finds out who the Punisher is, you know, and um, where he is and what's going on and all this other stuff. Uh, and um, there, Ben Yurick, she's a reporter, and Ben Yurick comes in, and she's like, I've got this story, and Ben asks her, he goes, well, who does the story help? Does it help the wow. public? Does the public need to know what you need to tell them, or is he doing it for you? He's like, because I found out secret information about a person that I shared once, and I've regretted it every day since then. Brilliant. Um, it's a great moment. Um, Stephanie, I know you, you've probably been keeping up with it, but you did read a little bit of Daredevil, right? Um, I haven't read any of it, but I picked it all up because you guys keep talking about it. And I actually have all of the issues. Uh, I even picked up like um, the latest one last week. And it's just a matter of me sitting down and making time for the zillions and zillions and zillions of comics I want to read. I hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I think we we all have. Yeah, people are asking us all the time, like, oh, did you catch it? I'm like, no. And like, <laughs> how did you not read that? I said, do you have any idea? Yeah. You have any idea what my pile looks like? Yeah. You've seen the pictures? Yeah, I've got stacks and stacks of books. I um, know, and I think, like, for me, I'm much more inclined to read independent stuff before I get to the stuff with DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, that yep. stuff's always at the top of my pile before anything from the big, you know, distributors. And so it kind of just kind of gets delayed because all this great stuff keeps coming out that I want to read and, eh. Yeah. Well, you should read the way Daredevil stuff because it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Um, now, Bob, 
we mm-hmm. we talk quite a bit about AVX. Sure. On this show. And I've got some stuff really negative that I want to talk about. Uh, but this is a book that has been getting a lot of negative press. I mean, we've talked about kind of our some of our malaise about the series. Mm-hmm. I think more than outright distaste for the series, it's more malaise. It's more, oh, just, we don't want to be over and we don't care. Um, issue 9, we talked about, and we talked about how it was personal and there was a really some really good Spider-Man stuff in it, but it felt like an odd issue to be stuck in near the end of a big event. So we move away from that more personal story in this to a more action-filled story. Uh, a, a pretty much a straight-out fight book from beginning to mm-hmm. end. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the Avengers and the X-Men have been hiding out in, in Kunlun, or Kunlun, I don't know how you, you really say it. I've never, heard, I've never heard it said out loud, yeah. so whatever you want to say, be my guest. Iron Fist home base, basically. There you go. Uh, and they've been hiding out there, they've been training Hope, uh, and it kind of, at this point, it comes to a head because Cyclops is found them you know the mm-hmm. you know the, this is it you know basically uh so it got a lot of bad reviews it got a lot of including on our own site it got it got a bad review for i think joey uh reviewed it and i read it expecting not to like it because i i read it after i read a lot of the reviews and i read it and i have to tell you i kind of really enjoyed it i i don't i, I don't understand why it's getting so much criticism over i think other issues but Bob, I want to. I want to hear you. You kind of started this whole event less excited about it than I think the rest of us, okay. and you kind of stayed in that place. So I want to yeah. know what you think of this issue. I didn't hate this issue, okay, which is saying something. But it, it's just again, it's sort of a space holder. This could have been five issues back that we finally get hope doing what she needs to do. Mm. Could have been a long time ago. The Emma stuff. Look, she's controlled by the Phoenix Force. They're trying to show this. Mm. Uh, she's doing some very bad things here, obviously. She's doing all the things you shouldn't be doing if they're trying to make the world better. Right. Um, but also coming off the... Um, where are we? The, where's the other one here? Uh, Avengers, which now has events that happened apparently two months ago that now aren't impacting this at all. Charles Xavier, for mm. instance. Okay. It all sorts of, because I read that before I read this, I'm okay. now let down by where's the impact of that here. Right. This is better than the, the issues, uh, I'm throwing this out of my hat, sort of two, three, four that we yeah. all felt went nowhere mm-hmm. because there is a huge battle. you got some great dragon stuff and yeah. Wanda's back and we see where we're headed finally. Right. Not enough for me. I want this last act to be better. Yeah. I don't think it's awful. Yeah. I, I, I want great coming down the end. Mm-hmm. What was your feeling? You know, I, I was really engaged by the action, and I thought that the, the Hope stuff was really, really cool. You know, I, I thought that the stuff that she was able to do um, really kind of surprised me. I'd never seen that before, and I, I, loved the, I loved the way using her powers to kind of assemble together a grouping of powers mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Um, I thought that... Now, obviously, this whole series, I feel like, could have been compressed down to a, a smaller amount of issues. But the things that I'm liking about it are that um, I like the Charles Xavier stuff that does come up here. It's very small, but I love the, the moment with Eric, with Eric Lencher, the, the Magneto moment, mm-hmm. especially at the very end. That's, uh, I, I love that kind of I've made a mistake moment that he has you know um i like the breakdown of, of the, the only problem with it is is the breakdown of 
Cyclops and the Phoenix Five doing good stuff is expected, right? You, you knew they weren't going to stay doing good stuff. They were going right. to eventually succumb to this force and start start going down a bad path. Um, Emma obviously seems to be going down that path slightly more faster, quickly. which makes sense because she's a slightly more evil character. You know, even though she's been good for a long time, she has that background. Um, I, I did find... I found the battles engaging, you know? The only thing I wish, and I know this is happening in other books... They keep talking about how they're training Hope, but you don't see them ever training Hope in, in really in the in these mainline AVX books. No, but we we really didn't see it in New Avengers either, right? You saw the Spidey moment, mm-hmm. which was great, mm-hmm. best moment probably in this entire series. That's, right, that, you know, we're giving her the pep talk, right? The, yeah, the, you know, the responsibility talk, mm-hmm. and it it's not being fought that way. We don't see her reference it either. Yeah, yeah, I know, and, and it's just. I enjoyed it, and I liked some of the stuff that happened. But, and I was engaged by the action. Do I? And thinking about a larger context, do I wish that there was more happening? Yes. But this one issue, I had a really, really good time with. I don't know, Steve. Did you get a chance to check it out? I did actually. What did you think of it? Um, I, th- I did like it, but I think that I mean, I still liked it, but I think that I might be confusing my my liking it more than other issues with the fact that stuff is finally happening. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, like I'm excited that, that I I'm, I'm finally reading an AVX book where there's a a stuff that I'm interested in happening Mm -hmm. and B that there's some solid action, not to mention, I mean the last issue I was at round 10, this issue alone, the last, like I'd say like 10 pages, there's a lot of forward momentum, but I agree with Bob that maybe not this event in particular, but writing of this this style and this pushing everything forward could have been used throughout the series that yes. the whole the whole event itself could have been I mean we all know that it's huge, but it could have been bigger by events like this happening earlier. In the right. event, because the repercussions, you throw that pebble in the pond, right? Those waves spread out more quickly. Well, it just—it seems like it's. I mean, it's taken what nine, ten rounds, uh, how many months and how many spinoffs to get to this point? Right. That with such a large story, and I know that stuff has happened. Mm. I want people, you know, yelling right. at me, being like, "Oh, what about when Spider-Man did this?" <laughs> I know that. Like, some people asked us what were our favorite moments throughout the AVX. I mean, the Luke Cage. Um, stuff was that mm. one issue. It was a long time ago. It was like the third or second uh, tie-in comic. Yeah, where they're all jumping out of the back, mm. and he's talking to his wife and the baby. Mm, but yeah, that was that. Like that was months ago. Yeah, that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. If we had more issues like that, yeah, I just think that this this event could have been so much more impactful on its audience, mm-hmm. and people wouldn't have had that malaise. There seems to be like a universal malaise with this. I mean, I know there are people that are enjoying it. I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it. Right. I just, for the amount of, of time, the amount of money, mm-hmm. and the amount of, of how far I've had to spread myself, and now I'm collecting so many more other books by choice. Right. But... They've roped me into Avengers Academy, um, which I do. I do enjoy uh, Wolverine and the X Men. I've enjoyed from number one. Yeah, um, those have been my favorite issues, just because there's there's solid action, solid art, and it is definitely very funny. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I I did enjoy it. 
I just wish that my excitement and the ramp up that I got to feel this sooner because I would have had more enthusiasm for the event that my mm-hmm. enthusiasm for the event itself has unfortunately turned into an enthusiasm for it just being over right. oh, I and, agree. and moving into the next phase of the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Right. See, now to me, if this is a middling issue, if there, more of them were like this, as opposed to, was it Avengers last week with Waiting for Namer, where we had a board meeting for 18 pages? <laughs> there were that. too many of those and not enough of these. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't have been bad. If right. this were the midpoint, right, yeah. and you had... Great, but now this is four issues past that midpoint already. I see what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephanie, have you caught up with it, or you've kind of checked out on this? I definitely checked out on this. <laughs> I mean, if somebody says, wow, once this run is all done, it comes together, it's great, maybe I'll check it out, but I'm pretty well just kind of sick of it. And again, I think I mentioned this when we had our listener feedback show, but I just want the time I spent on this back. There you go. Now, I, can I tell a story about my comic store? I was there Absolutely, yesterday Bob. doing some research for this, and my local guy has been in business for, I don't know, 35 years. Collector has every Silver Age Marvel in D.C. It's Long Island Comics over in Babylon. Right. And I'm sitting there reading some Jeff Lemire, trying to get ready for today, and uh, two 17-year-old boys come in and are looking at the, the little rack of AVXs, and, well, I hear this is a big thing, you know, do I have to read a lot to get this story? <laughs> um, yeah, there are 10 of these and eight follow-ups mm-hmm. on the side, the battles, and then there are the tie-ins. And, mm-hmm. and what do I need to know to get into it from before? We said there was a zero issue, mm-hmm. but you need about five years' worth of backstory. Go ahead. No, I, to, I have something to, even, to follow okay, up when to, you're done. To even begin with this, he said, well, you know, it's going to end in two months. Maybe you should buy the trade mm-hmm. and read it in a lump, then try to catch up like this and the guy he filled out a reserve and ordered a couple of books yeah but he was put off by the the enormity yeah of the whole thing rather than being drawn in you know when my my main thing with it is this it's been going on for a while right mm-hmm. we've been reading this we've been buying April, them yeah okay so here's the thing though when it's over when it's done when when it, you know round 12 is finished and everything's said and done is it something that everybody's going to have to, like, if you want to understand the changes to the Marvel Universe, are people going to have to go back and read this event in order to know what's going on? Like, aside from the main books, have all of the spinoffs, just because they're a part of it, like, are, are events in those other, other books going to play into the new universe that you couldn't, let's say, like, you're having a conversation, like... You know, oh my God, I want to get into Marvel books since they're rebooting everything, but do I have to read the Avengers versus X-Men arc in order to come in on this now? And the answer ultimately is no, because maybe if you want all the ins and outs, but I could explain the AVX event to somebody in probably 10 to 15 minutes and right. they'd be good to go. Yeah, That is not several months worth of comics yeah. to me. I think it's kind of silly not that it hasn't been fun in you know periodically but for the most part if somebody was like do i have to go back and read this i would tell them no because you've got me right or go back and listen to some of the talking comics podcast but (laughs) you know like i just i understand that it's a big deal and i've been following it and i've been even if i lapsed for a few weeks i came back and i read it and everything but like a good session with like uh, Kistler or with us, 
and you're good to go. I don't think that yeah. it all of the all, as big as it was that it was necessary. I think it's something they could have compartmentalized. Carp, what the f- compartmentalize? Compartmentalize. <laughs> Holy shit! Compartmentalize. That, that word. Something it's, else it's my altogether. turn. It's my yeah. turn tonight, Stephanie. I'm screwing up the yeah. words. I think that you could explain it to somebody like Stephanie. Stephanie dropped off. Mm-hmm. Could we not give Stephanie the lowdown? And she could just jump right in. I'm sure she could. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's Absolutely. some sidebar things that you're going to end up seeing Rogue in the Avengers. I'm or just the saying, Uncanny, you, whatever they're going to call Are you yeah. going to read something new and be like, I don't get it. And then somebody's going to come up to you and be like, yo, man, you should have read Avengers versus X-Men, Avengers Academy, issue number, blah, blah, blah. Then you would have known that. Well, no. I, no, because cool, the main event stuff, I mean... <laughs> The the purpose of the tie-ins is to kind of, I think expand on areas of the story they can't tell in the main thrust of the thing. But I'm really the only tie-ins I'm reading right now are An- Uncanny X Men and Wolverine the X Men. Mm-hmm. Those are the only tie-ins I'm reading anymore. Um, Secret Avengers isn't even tying in anymore. They've already gone back to their regular right. story. Um, so I mean, there I don't feel like I'm missing anything from from the main story. But yeah, I mean, this is going to lead into Marvel now. And I, I think that what you're going to get is they're going to you're going to have enough of a change to satisfy people who read this to be like, okay, I read 12 issues. Now things are changing. Okay, at least we're seeing change from this stuff. But it's going to be enough so that I don't think those, I don't think those issues themselves are going to be structured so you had to have read AVX to understand them. You know, I just think it's going to be kind of for new people it'll be something they can read and be like, okay, this is how the universe is now. And for us who've been reading other stuff, we can go, okay, well. We said at the beginning that there better be big changes. There have been big mm-hmm. changes. We, okay, at least we can be happy about that. Um, the, the weirdest part for me is, and not in a good way, not in like a, I can't guess what they're going to do kind of thing. I have no idea where the story is going. Like, I don't, I don't understand. We're only two issues from the end, and that's what worries me more than anything else is I just don't know where we're going. I don't know what the end game is, is here. Is, Cyclo- is Cyclops going to die? Like, is that what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. Is, is Hope going to get the Phoenix Force back into her? Like, what's going to happen? Is Emma going to die? Like, I don't know what the end game is and how that's going to change everything. You know, I, I think that we got a, a kind of a glimpse of it when Hope does what she does to Cyclops mm-hmm. at the end of that issue. Maybe she's got something very much to do with what happens to the rest of the Marvel Universe. I think much the way that Scarlet Witch did back in House of M. I think she's involved in this ending, too. Yeah, but I don't know. And and part of me, that's good, but part of the other thing is that it just it feels like the story, I don't know the direction the story is supposed to be taking right now. Um, so I thought this was a solid single issue, but I, again, I understand why people will be criticizing it as a whole, but the kind of abject criticism has been getting completely across the internet, I don't really understand. Because I don't think it's a badly written issue or a badly drawn issue of, of a comic book. So it's probably the bleed through from the event burnout. Or yeah. the first ten, it's sort of, eh, not for ready. Absolutely. Um, a, a, a book that I really didn't like, uh, what, it's not even like it. Uh, before Watchmen, Rorschach, number one. Okay. Uh, Ugh. Here's my problem. <laughs> okay, Brian Azzarello... Uh, you know he's a good writer. He's a he, I, I I really liked Media Number One. I didn't like Media Number Two. Rorschach Number One is not a badly written book. It's just it doesn't feel to me like Rorschach. It, it, you know, there's something about it that just does not feel like the character to me. And much like we talked about, I guess in Gambit, where I said that 
It could have been any character stuck mm-hmm. in this situation. I feel a lot about that, like the Rorschach thing. I mean, yeah, he does some does, does some very violent things to the people that he encounters, and we hear about his past with his mother, which, again, is stuff that we heard a lot about in Watchmen, so it's not stuff I need to be retread on. But, you know, he just... It's a detective story where he is looking for a gang of drug dealers, and he runs into a guy who, like, beats the hell out of him. And, mm. and then there's, like, an ending where it's a very Rorschach ending, you know, where he makes a decree that is very Rorschach-like. I don't want to give exactly what happens, but... And Azrael is also setting up this other storyline with this serial killer called The Bard, who inscri- like inscribes, like, quotes yeah. on people's skin, which... That's a cool idea. I, I I just don't understand why we had this other story. And maybe that will come together, but it's only four issues. So I don't see how... It seems like a much bigger story in that way than what can be told in four issues. Um, the other thing about it, too, is not a lot happens in this issue. It's basically just him hunting down this one lead. It goes wrong. That's it. Uh, also, and I wrote about this in my review they do the Rorschach journal thing because you have to do it. You can't sure. not do it because that it's how the watchman starts. You know, it, it, it yeah. he is the framing device for the entire book. And I quoted one, I quoted one of the, the first passage in my review and then kind of quoted part of another passage of Azarello's stuff. And it just doesn't, it doesn't measure up. It, it, it's just not as good. It, it's not as well written. It's not as interesting. It doesn't have as many flourishes. And I said this in the review, I can understand him being like, okay, this is a younger Rorschach. This is somebody who doesn't have, hasn't written as many, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, it stunts the, the narrative. It, 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 it's not particularly well-written voiceover. And I don't care if it, you're trying to do something. If it's the voiceover for the book and it's not well-written particularly, it stops the progression of the book. It's his voice. And if yeah. that voice isn't right, yeah. the whole thing's going to fall flat. I might be overjudging this only because he's one of my favorite combo characters of all time, Rorschach, but it just did not work for me in really any way. I read it in the store. I didn't, I didn't buy it. I've sort of checked out on this, too, because mm. I think the whole enterprise has lived up to our fears. Mm. We've sampled all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I want amplification of who this character is, and it's just another story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could have been the question which he's based on in the first place. Yeah. It could have been Joe Blow, mm-hmm. sorry, not to uh, plug your site. <laughs> hey. and, and, uh, plug away, Bob. I need, I need okay, some uh, okay. more shares. But uh, honestly, so far in this entire before Watchmen thing, Silk Spectre has been the one that's given us some insight mm-hmm. into who this other character is. This, who is the most complex, convoluted mm-hmm. character of the bunch, yeah. we get nothing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree with you. On that, I will say this: the Lee Bermejo art is beautiful. It's yeah. gorgeous art, um, but again, that's, it's just empty beauty to me. Then, because I just did not think the writing was particularly solid, and it also is weird because most of their books, even though they're not exactly styled like Watchmen, they pretty much stick to the way Watchmen's laid out. You know, the, okay. the, there's a lot of like um, a lot of panels per page most most of the time. The panels are pretty much you know, standard panel yeah, structure. The old grid, right. Yeah, and this doesn't do that. This kind of goes much more modern, which is that's not inherently a problem at all. I, I don't see any problem with modernizing it, but it loses something to me in that. Steve, do you want to say something about it? No, I don't really have much. I just, I, I bought it because of the art. When I opened mm. I flipped through it. I bought it, you know, because I, I like the art style. But um, 
No, I mean, much like Stephanie's checked out of AVX, I mean, the only the only book that I really am still interested in reading is Silk Spectre. I like Minutemen, um, but all of the others, I'm not even going to bother with Manhattan. I'm not in Osmandi. I just, Comedian's done for me. Osmandius mm. is done for me. Um, I just, I hate to be to be so negative, but... I, I care so much less about this than I do about AVX. AVX at least is intermittently like very very much entertaining me. Um, I've found that the before Watchmen stuff has just been a letdown after letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love the original. I think it's great. I've only read it once, but I remember really really enjoying it. But as far as enthusiasm, as far as, as re- and not even just going based on assumption, but reading them and not liking them. It's not like I'm not reading them. Right, yeah, no. Yeah. You no know. Around this table, we've all read these right, things. Right, like if, yeah. I, if I read something and I like it, I'll, I'll eat the crow and I'll say something. But with this, I just, with Rush, I just, I, again, stuff that I've, I've seen before from the character, I didn't find that much had changed. And I really just did not care. I don't need to know. Watchmen itself, the original, is such a complete work that I do not need this this reboot, event, mm-hmm. prequel, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> right. I just don't need it. Right. And it's become more of a more of a, a waste of money and time than it's become mm-hmm. something that I'm actually enjoying. I hate to, you know, be such an ass about it, but I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that I, I do think that for the most part they've been uh, good-headed misfires. I don't think any of them have, and except maybe Night Owl, which I really thought was just trashy, um, have have been you know intentionally like you know been going through the motions. Books. I feel like these people, these creators are trying. I would agree, but I just feel like they've, they've been misfiring. Um, Stephanie, I know you said you, you have not been reading before Watchmen either, so we're not going to go to you on that one, but you've been quiet for a little bit, so, I mean, maybe not this week, maybe not some, but what else have you been reading that you've been really liking? Um, well, I've been kind of, like, backtracking a little bit. I recently picked up a new series, um, called Air. It caught my eye at the store when I was, uh, browsing around for my hours and hours on end, and, um, I wanted to look into it a little bit, and, um, it's it's really weird. I don't really know what to make of it yet, but it's intriguing, and I want to read more of it. But it's by mm. G. Willow Wilson and uh, M. K. Parker, and I, I don't know. Like the front page quote on it, it's a quote from Neil Gaiman, and I mean anything by him has to be awesome, right? <laughs> I actually i have um, I have the first trade of Air. I have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I read the first issue, and um, again, I don't really know like how to kind of explain it without giving away too much. But um, it's kind of like this, it's about this um, flight attendant who actually has a fear of flying. (laughs) That's funny right away as someone who's never flown anywhere. Yeah. So she has like this fear of flying. She's a flight attendant. She conquers her fears kind of by doing this job and enjoying it and all this stuff. And then she kind of gets sucked into this world of, um, I don't know if it's sort of like, she gets it sucked into this weird terrorism plot and um, this sort of espionage spy kind of situation. Ooh. And it's the first issue is really, really good. And um, I think I picked up the entire run of it. And um, from what I can tell, there's 24 issues and I'm really looking forward to reading it. That's it? all of it. There's only 24. 
Yeah, for one, I, I, unless there's more that you sure? I didn't manage to find, uh, there's 24. I might just be insane. I was uh, collecting that at Rob's house, and I could have sworn that there was a lot more, but... Like most times, I'm probably wrong. So oh. <laughs> let's just wow. say there's 24 issues. I, I've been really digging that. Um, I've been catching up on Scott Snyder's uh, American Vampire, which is, you know, I mean, Scott Snyder, you know it's going to be amazing. Come on. <laughs> he, good. He, he is awesome. I, I read the first trade of that. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the first trade's good. The second trade's good. I think... I think because I've been reading them digitally on Comixology, so mm. I think now I'm through the third trade. Okay. Um, as far mm-hmm. as like I'm on issue, I'm just starting issue twenty-two as far as like the trades go. But okay, um, that story just gets better and better, and the art is amazing. Like I, I can't get enough of Raphael Albuquerque's work, and mm. um, it's just beautiful to look at. I mean, the story aside, it's stunning um i mean you have to read all of scott snyder's stuff what isn't there of his that's what's not good yeah um i've been reading i jumped on actually maybe just a couple issues ago because there's a new arc that started uh and it's been fantastic and i've also been reading the uh lord of nightmares right is that what it's called yeah how's that been Hmm. yeah yeah, the lord of nightmares it's been really good it's you know it's kind of like an offshoot series It's it's a mini series um it's been awesome it's about dracula I'm waiting for the trade for that one. I I was going to pick it up and then I pussied out and I really uh I regret it. <laughs> it's uh it's really cool. Um it's it's a different artist. It's Dustin I can't remember. It's it's like it's N G U Y N Nguyen. Nguyen? Nguyen? Um Nguyen? I don't know how do you say it. But I had a guy in my school that was last name but he pronounced it Nguyen. Sounds like an attack from Street Fighter. Yeah, well, he is Asian, you so can... yes. Uh, and the art, the art is gorgeous in that as well. Um, speaking of comicsology, Stephanie, and uh, you talked about Monkey Brain a couple times, but uh, a, a book came out called Thoughts on a Winter Morning. Yeah, by uh, Kurt Busiek. Kurt Busiek, yeah. Uh, they're up by Steve Lieber, and it's, it's an old story. He wrote it a long time ago, and it got published like in an anthology, but it's not available anywhere right now, so they put it on Monkey Brain. Um, it's just about a guy who's walking his dog and, and kind of thinking about his life and it's all about perspectives and how they change. And, you know, he talks about when he was a kid about, you know, he was sledding on, on the big rock in in his, in in his front yard. But, you know, he says when, when he went back to his house, the rock was just a little rock, you know, but he talks about how they would sled down it and they would make all these stories about it. And it's just about him. He's now he's a dad and he's thinking about his kids and he goes to this little hill by where he lives and he goes. That was a mountain when he was. But know. he means for his kids. One day the the kids are gonna kids grow up. They're gonna say like, oh, you remember the sledding hill back where we used to live and blah 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 whatever. Um, it's beautiful little story. A beautiful little story. Um, gorgeous art. Uh, it's uh, semi autobiographical. Yes, it oh, is. It is. It, he he yes. he said he went he went walking his dog one day, came home and he wrote the story. Um, and there's a, there's a afterward by him, uh, that's, that, that's really, really nice. Um, the, uh, one of the, one of the first lines in the book is, um, it's Christmas Eve morning, 1998. I take Hector out for our regular walk. We go the same way we always do, but in some ways it's a whole different place. That's how the, that's what how the book starts out. Yeah. 
And it's just about the way your perspectives change as you get older and stuff. And it's funny we talk about this because, you know, we talked about The Underwater Welder a couple weeks ago. And that book is very much about that same sort of thing. And we're mm-hmm. going to talk to Jeff, obviously. But, Steve, you want to say something? Yeah, no, just about the whole time thing about mm-hmm. how, you know, things become smaller. Or mm-hmm. if you think about it, like when you were driving to a relative's house when you were with yeah. your parents. And it seemed like it took a lifetime to mm-hmm. get there. Yeah. But then if you were driving over there when you're older, you realize it's 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing with that is, is that the longer that you're around, the shorter time becomes. They mm-hmm. actually, the whole thing with the vampires and why vampires become so desensitized over time as to what they do is because eternity eventually ends up being like a blink of an eye that they say that you don't grow attached. If you lived forever, that you would never grow attached to people anymore because eventually for you, from your perspective, if you lived for eternity, your relationships with your friends would be like the equivalent of a day or taking a nap. That just time itself would become so minimal to you from your perspective that within the blink of an eye, you could have an entire lifetime pass you by and not Mm -hmm. even notice it. Yeah. So a little, little uh, cerebral science for you there. That's good, though. No, it's Einstein. It's right there. Yeah, it's relative. We're friends. So that's uh, <laughs> thoughts on a winter morning. I don't know if you guys had to check it out or not, Stephanie, but... I, I didn't yet. I bought it on Comixology, but I haven't no, had a no, chance no, to download it onto my iPad for the readings. It's pretty awesome. So <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, check that out. Um, Bob, is there anything else that came out this week you wanted to speak about? No, I want to go way back, but I think Steve's might lead into mine better than mine into his. So, All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit uh, of a Fantastic Four because we never talk about Fantastic Four. But this <laughs> we is something... for at least a week. No, but this, so. is, <laughs> this is something totally different. This is uh, it's a, it's a couple of one-shots. They have them collected in trades. It's called Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius. And uh, Stephanie, I wish I had the name for you right in front of you because you would totally either... Fuck it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try. Iliopolis? Is that it? Pallas? Yeah, that's it. All right, well, Iliopolis. Pallas. 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 Anderson. Whatever. Anyway, the first thing that you're going to think of when you see even just the covers of these books is Calvin and Hobbes. Um, there is definitely a Bill Watterson influence on this. If you were to take Hobbes and replace him with Franklin's robot named Herbie, Herbie. you would end up with something very much like Calvin and Hobbes. And what it is, is it's a kid's book, but it's a collection of little, like, clips or short stories. It's like if you were watching a cartoon, and right before the second cartoon starts, they air one of those little shorts. Mm -hmm. It's just like that. It's like a scene or a gag Mm -hmm. or something like that. Sometimes the story is four pages. Other times it's one page, half a page, whatever. But you've got all the classic stuff of him trying to cheat his way through school, him being afraid of monsters in his closet and under the bed. And they're real monsters in this case. Yeah, and even, even some of the artwork, I mean, like, I've seen Calvin get those like multiple bulgy eyes when mm-hmm. he like freaks out his hands, his hair standing up on end, transferred directly into this comic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, I have to admit, I, I mean, I bought a whole bunch of it. It's not as funny as I would have liked it to have been, but it's very smart and it's very smart for a, for a kid's comic. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you were to give it to a child, it would not only would it really entertain them because it's very kiddie and it's very friendly, 
but the the smartness of it would almost hopefully have an influence on them and lean them towards some of the bigger comics because a lot of the stuff that's happening within his imagination is like Fantastic Four cosmic like events yes, right. from the perspective of a small child's right, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. imagination. So um, it's just cool to like go through a story with him and then find out that like the terrain is like a pillow fort. Or his parents are kind of like how Calvin with his parents, they would walk in and they're like these grotesque monsters that right. are yelling at him. Yeah. You know, um, Sue Storm and and, uh, and Reed are, you know, the enemy and mm. stuff like that. His parents telling him to go to bed. It's, an, it's imprisonment for him. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's not really the negative zone. It's his bedroom. Right. <laughs> sort of thing. But he is very smart. You know, it's not dumbed down. He's still the very smart Franklin genius himself. Yep. His interplay with Herbie, he just wants Herbie to facilitate his naughtiness. Yeah, and Herbie's kind of like I want to go get a pizza or something. And yeah, Herbie's like the nanny almost, yeah. like you know, watching gotcha. over him, telling you know, oh, you don't, you don't want to really do that. Oh, you're gonna do it anyway. Right. right yeah, yeah. How can I fix it? And they, they, he reprograms right. Herbie and whatever. Reed and Sue come off really nicely. Yep, they have a couple of tender moments even. Yeah. There's, that's still in here, which is really nice. Um, and another thing, I know that we have a couple of parents that are fans of Talking Comics and listen to the podcast. Perfect book. Yeah, if you're a fan of the Fantastic Four or just you know, looking for something to read with your kids, um, if you can find these, again, it's Franklin Richards, uh, Son of a Genius. They're really fun um, and totally something that you know. once you're done, you'll probably walk into the room and find your kids thumbing through them again when you're, when you're gone. Right. Um, so for anybody out there that's looking to spend some time with their kids, get in, get them into comics. It's perfect like that. Uh, going way off the page, but speaking of as, things as of unusual, things, things, things of the imagination. Um, just a comment: uh, the character actor William Wyndham died this week at, at age eighty nine, and in something that's related to what we do here, he won an Emmy Award many many years ago for a TV show called My World and Welcome to It where he plays a cartoonist. And it's based on the works of James Thurber, the famous New Yorker cartoonist. And he'd come home from work. And as he walked up to the door, his house would morph into an, uh, an illustration and then an animation of the house attacking him, turning him to his wife. <laughs> um, the, the show itself all was just leaps of imagination. He'd tell his little daughter, who was much smarter than he was, <laughs> a story. She, has to, she wants help with her homework. And the mom is just saying, go talk to your daughter. He hates his daughter. She's just this ugly kid with bad teeth. and <laughs> So she sends him downstairs to talk to her about her Civil War project. And it turns out they really do bond. And he starts telling her a story about, well, Grant was a drunk. And so all of a sudden we leap into a drawing of his with, with Grant drunk on a, on a hammock during the surrender at Appomattox. And he's so drunk, he surrenders to Lee. He writes her this essay. She goes to school and tells the story. Gets called, sent home from school crying. The teacher shows up. He imagined her as a nubile 23-year-old teacher. She, he's chasing her around the room. She's on top of the bookcases in animation, in live action. It was charming, witty, amazingly funny, a meld of live and animation and it lasted all of, you know, 20-something episodes and got canceled because they wanted to put laughing in its time slot. Won an Emmy, as did Wyndham, and unfortunately you can't buy this. Uh, I do have a copy. It's sitting here because I bought it off iOffer for like eight bucks for all mm -hmm. the episodes. There are clips on YouTube. 
search this out. Let's all make an effort that, that someone should see this. This was just long before there was Roger Rabbit and Cool World and the rest of it. They took a shot on television 40-some-odd years ago with this, mm -hmm. and it is just amazingly funny and inventive. Cool World. Very nice. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. Soundtrack to that movie is amazing. <laughs> yes, it Still. is. The movie isn't, but the soundtrack David is. Bowie, Thompson Twins, My yeah. Life with a Thrill Kill Colt. Fucking awesome. So, ending <laughs> our discussion about, I guess, all ages things. Okay, uh, here we go. I want to talk about DC Universe Presents. Ah, uh, here it comes. <gasps> uh, number 12, Kid Flash. All right, so um, DC Universe Presents has been this far four or five issue minis, basically, about yeah. DC characters who don't have their own books. So it was Dead Man, Challenger of the, of the Unknown, and then Vandal Savage. So I see last week, you know, I'm probably with a little research I could have known differently, but I see the cover of DC Universe Presents, and it's Kid Flash. I get very excited. I'm a big Flash fan, big Kid Flash fan. He's only exists in Teen Titans, which is a book I don't really like. So to get, see him get his own book, I was very excited. Uh, I read this book. Now the book, the premise of the book is that something happened in Teen Titans where they went back in the past, and when they came back into the future, they brought kind of these dino teens with them. They're like half dinosaurs, half teenagers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Silly premise. It, it could be fun. Exactly. If done right. Exactly. Um, for an all-ages book, that's a pretty fun premise. I have no problem with that premise. Um, and in fact, and I think I'll differ from Steve on this point, what happens in the book, while not deep and not amazing, I, I feel like for an all-ages book, if I was a dad buying this book for like my 10-year-old son and he wanted me to read the book with him, I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, it, it, it's, it's good enough where I can read it as, a, as an adult, be like, oh, this is fun. The character just has some, has some quippy lines. He does some cool stuff. Um, I think the art is actually pretty good, although a little bit weird at times. Um, uh, the problem with the book is that it's pretty much just a 22-page advertisement to read Teen Titans. Ouch. It's not a three-part or four-part miniseries about Kid Flash. It's one story about this group of dino teens and Kid Flash trying to round them up, and it's. And while I would like to see the end of this story, I'm not going to go buy Teen Titans. No, a book you hate, a book I don't like, and the, the the most disingenuous thing about it is at the end of the book, it says. Now this is what it says: the last panel. It says, "Flash fact: It's the end of the issue, but not the end of the story." I'm like, okay. The next thing says, "If you're a masochist, check out Teen Titans number twelve in one week." For more on Tarek's quest, and Tarek is the one of the Dino teens that, that wow. exists. Um, Here, th that to me says you just wasted three dollars. Ha ha ha! Exactly. So I finish reading it, and I go, okay, I don't want to buy Teen Titans next week. But now, Teen Titans, the, uh, the author on this is Fabian Nicenza, I think is how you say his name. Uh, I, I enjoy the writing enough where if Teen Titans twelve or whatever was just this Kid Flash story finished off with this writer, I might think about picking it up and reading it. Mm -hmm. So at least I didn't waste $3. I could, you know, $6 yeah. off the complete thing. I look it up to see what it is. It's just the backup at the end of Teen Titans. <sighs> so I would spend $6 on a comic and a quarter of maybe not... I don't even know if the story ends there. So no. it, I don't even know if it's the full story or not. The business around this comic really makes me angry. Um, what's in the book does not bother me that much, and I, 
I would have dealt. I would have liked to see a kind of a kid friendly three or four story arc with this whole story going on, but the kind of situation around it just really bothered me. Steve, what about you? Potato, potato, Bobby. <laughs> okay. If you read this this comic, you'd yeah. understand. Sorry for the insider <laughs> reference. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, I understand what you're saying about mm. it, and I do agree with you, mm. but the book just annoyed me. Um, I've grown very uh, fond of the character. I think that what happened here is that I was spoiled. Well, actually, no. All right, two two points. One, I was spoiled by Young Justice. Cause right, but it's not Wally West. It's Bart Allen. Different character. But wasn't he, didn't he guest in an episode? Yes, Bart is in, a, Bart is in an episode of Young Justice as Impulse, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, mm-hmm. I mean, I really, I, that was my introduction to him, mm-hmm. and I loved his character. It's a great, it's a great yeah, episode. It yeah. was a great episode, everything. And then, going into this, I, I wanted that. And I didn't get that. And even if I didn't have that Young Justice episode to jump off of, um, I didn't like the the I didn't like the character. I didn't like. I mean, the art was cool. The action was okay. I liked the way it moved on the page. Him zipping from one thing to another, I thought was really cool. But for the most part, I found him to be too quippy. Like there's Spider Man okay. quippy, and then there's this. And it was just how many, like, super cool references or, you know, how can we make him sound like the kids? We're going to put Zs at the end of some of his words. You know, what? For reals. And I just, it, it, it reeked of trying too hard. Um, I don't know. I really don't have too much to say about it beyond that. I really just, I did not, I'm not going to buy another issue of it. I regret buying it. And I feel not that it's the end all be all, but for a character or just the name itself, that was like, you know, like, fuck yeah. Like, mm. let's like, I, again, I saw it yeah. in the store. I didn't know it was coming out mm. and it dropped, it dropped next to me, Rob threw it at me. And I was like, oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yay. Mm-hmm. Hooray. And then I got home and I heard that you didn't like it or had issues with it. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time I was reading it, I was like, I really hope that I don't talk to anybody that loved this book because <laughs> we're just going to have words. Right. And um, that's really it. I mean, with, with everything that's going on right now in comics, and there's just so many other better things to read. I think it was just a, it, it was a real letdown for me. Gotcha. I would have liked to have loved it and mm. to have thought that I had a kid flash book that I'd be like, yay. Yeah. And I don't, I did not have that reaction. I was very disappointed. Right, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that's Kid Flash. No more need to talk about that. Yeah. Because we said too much already about it. Um, so, Stephanie, on our site, actually on the comments for uh, the last week's show, um, Boy Koesh uh, kind of was, you know, was giving you props for talking about um, Abominable uh, mm-hmm. by Charles Christopher. Um, and he mentioned some other uh, web comics, um, uh, Outfox, Cuckoo Burry, Worm World, um, Lady Sabre and the Pirates of the Ineffable Aether, I guess, uh, Star Slip. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to know, Stephanie, do you have any other web comics that you could uh, suggest to anybody? Um, I actually just posted something about this today. Um, somebody sent me a message. What was his name? Something Otter. It was the greatest name ever. 
crouching otter otters crouching otter crouching that's a, otter yeah that's, that's one of our regular crouching otter that's yeah. right wow and uh he was asking me for some recommendations and so um i sent him a bunch of different things and um let me think i sent him obviously the ones i'd been talking about but um there was also one other one that i haven't really spoke about on the show called um nimona and um which is n i m o n a um um by the artist uh, Ginger Hayes, who is Ginger Hazine on Twitter. Um, but she does a lot of really great comics by, about the movies that she watches. And she had a bunch of things for the Avengers. And um, uh, she really likes Jeremy Renner. And um, I believe <laughs> if you follow random. her on Tumblr, she posts all the stuff to her webcomic Nimona. But that one's really fun, too. Um I'm going to try and make a post about all the web comics I'm finding. And I'm considering putting together a web comics of the web um, <laughs> column where I can regularly spotlight a couple oh. uh, web comics that you guys can check out. Very I nice. don't have anything off the top of my head um, that I haven't already mentioned. Battle Pug. Go read Battle Pug. <laughs> um, but I, I think that I would like to showcase some of those, uh, some of the gems on the web. I think that would be a very good idea. And now that you've said it, you have to do it. That's the law. You, you put it out there. <laughs> I have. I yeah. will, um, in non-web comics things, I will tell you about a cool article that I saw today about um, Gail Simone's Batgirl run. Um, I'm going to try and also repost this link in the article today. But um, as you guys know, like Gail Simone bringing back Babs was kind of a big deal and people were really pissed off that Oracle was no longer part of their world and... Yada, Why are you yada, looking yada. at me when you say um, that? When they gave her grief for taking this character out of her wheelchair. And um, I've, I've just actually really gotten into the Batgirl run by Gail Simone after rereading the Stephanie Brown run again. But um, there was an article, I, it might not have been on the site, but I think it was. It was I think it was on either DC Women Kicking Ass or one of those girls power comics websites mm -hmm. that I follow. And... Um, Basically, they were showing some of Adam Hughes's concept art for the covers of Batgirl and walking through the process of how they were trying to um, demonstrate how she got out of the wheelchair. And hmm. I, it was a really interesting like set of sketches. And I, I'm going to try and share the link um, shortly because it was really beautiful art. I mean, even just for kind of quick sketches. And it kind of showed... and kind of for me hit home how she got out of the wheelchair even sort of subtly so what yeah. are you thinking about gail simone's batgirl run sorry pardon me what have you been thinking about gail simone's batgirl run i i really like it so far um i i mentioned i think uh again on twitter if you follow me but um stephanie brown batgirl is hands down my favorite run ever of batgirl um I love Babs. I love Barbara Gordon's character. Um, but Stephanie Brown just hit it home for me. And I didn't think that there was going to be another run of Batgirl ever, even with Gail Simone's awesome writing, that I would love as much. And um, this surprisingly comes very close. Um, it's a very real take on, um, you know, what somebody would be going through if like she has this survivor's guilt almost towards 
getting the use of her legs back again. And it's really interesting that she kind of, it's, it's this story of her being strong and taking on these um, really super, these super villains and she can't really fight them. She doesn't have the strength. She has, she's been in this wheelchair for, I believe it's three years according to this. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's that whole muscle memory thing and, um, she just, she just doesn't have what she used to have. And yet she's still putting it all out there and she still wants to be like Gotham's protector or one of Gotham's protectors. And, um, Gail Simone, like Scott Snyder is, um, bringing in a lot of new rogues that are really interesting and, um, really, you know, balance out the story between Barbara Gordon and, you know, her coming back to being Batgirl. And I'm really loving like the guest appearances by other characters. Like I just finished um, the issue where she's talking to Black Canary and um, I think it was issue nine that happened, maybe issue eight or nine. And um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I mean, it's dark, but I think a lot of the stuff in the Batgirl world or not just Batgirl, sorry, Batman is meant to be very dark. Um, again, the Stephanie Brown's kind of an exception to that, although it's very dark, but kind of laced with sarcasm and waffles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I- I'm really enjoying it. I think Gail Simone's doing a fantastic job. And I, I think I was reading um, online the other day. There's a really, um, there's a girl, her name's Arkham Asylum Doc on Twitter. Um, I can't think of what her real name is. I think it's like Andrea. Um, but anyways, she's a psychologist, a trauma psychologist, and she's been um, consulting with Gail Simone on, you know, the whole survivor's guilt thing and what would happen, like what would actually happen with somebody if this, you know, if they regained the use of their legs and what they might be feeling. And I think it's, she's doing a great job of conveying that. So... I think everyone should be reading Batgirl. <laughs> oh, I agree. I am so happy that Gail Simone chose to do this. Uh, my understanding was they sort of offered her birds of prey again mm-hmm. and decided it was more important. If you're going to take Barbara out of the wheelchair, mm-hmm. that the person to tell that story was her, that Gail needed to move that forward. And yeah. I, I still miss Oracle, I have to say, because that was a singular special character. As Steve was talking before about a character with a disability being a hero, and in this case, the IT geek for the DC Universe, the -the behind-the-scenes force behind everything, and was so special after coming off Killing Joke. To have her be Batgirl again, it can only be Gail Simone writing it. She is filled with guilt, filled with doubt, still wants to do the right thing, try to rebuild relationships with her father, or not spoiling too much for people that haven't read her mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Her brother is involved now, and villains that are above her pay grade, so to speak. Just as you're saying, Stephanie, they're the, 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 how far up are you into this new run? Um, I think I I just finished nine, so I still have ten and eleven. To okay, get ten, eleven. We're into some really bad people. Yeah, who yeah. want to do the right I, thing in their own vigilante way, but it's it's above and beyond what Barbara's comfortable with. Yeah, and that's um, where we get into the Batwoman thing, mm. which is a great crossover. Mm. We, we talked about uh, last week with our perfect comics and about that relatability and um, that sort of 
realism to comics. And Barbara Gordon's one of those few characters where something that happened to her really stuck. Um, yes. You know, she, I talked about how it's so rare for something physically bad to permanently happen to something or a character in the comics world. And she's coming out of this, but she's not coming out of this fresh and new and, you know, mm-hmm. just like a clean slate. She's coming out of this with so much baggage and she's such a real and raw character. She fucks up all the time. She's gotten people killed and she is just like not only a, a wreck about being out of the wheelchair, but she has all this building guilt about these people that she's not saving. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's a, she's such a great character and such a real character. Like I couldn't even imagine, you know, if vigilantes and superheroes existed in our real world, I can't imagine that amount of guilt that would sit with somebody, you know, if you couldn't save someone. I mean, I I feel like maybe doctors and nurses are the closest thing we have to that kind of thing and maybe police officers, but, you know, she just is so raw. Yeah, there's real weight to what she's feeling. It's mm -hmm. it's on the page. Yeah. Steve, you want to say something? Yeah, I was just, I'm listening to Stephanie talk and I was thinking back, I mean, not to to harbor on the negative, but I, I was remembering when, everybody was kind of up in arms about the whole thing with Babs coming back and people writing to Gail Simone or writing to DC and saying that they had an issue with her getting out of the chair. Um, I mean, I can understand certain perspectives where people perhaps with disabilities, they saw Oracle as their spokeswoman and things like that. But I think that it's another example of how people can prejudge something or people that are misinformed or completely uninformed about a character that they they see this massive change in her or they're bringing her back she's walking again automatically people are like Ugh. Mm-hmm. like that you know that's yeah. stupid that can't happen blah 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 but all this stuff that Stephanie's talking about and I've been I've read every issue and I know that the whole survivor's guilt thing is a major, major component of the new Batgirl character. And I think that if people took the time and and allowed themselves the sensitivity to appreciate that aspect of the book, that more people would enjoy it, more people would be would be reading it. Including the people who slammed it to start with. Well, that's the would, that's yeah. my point, yeah. is that, you know, all the things that Stephanie's saying they're valid, solid points. It's completely the case. And I almost feel bad for these people that have just written it off as, as like blasphemy. Yeah, I mean, that's, but that's what people in the, I under, I the under, culture <laughs> that we're in do. You I know? understand yeah. that. I'm yeah. just saying that I personally, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not speaking for the group, but I just, I feel bad. Yeah. Because, you know, A, you should be a little bit more open-minded than that. Mm-hmm. And especially if something that radical happens to a character, just out of curiosity's sake, you should at least give it a chance. Mm-hmm. If you're really like, if you're into the world of comics, world of comics is always changing. And if you don't roll with the changes and at least check it out for a few issues, you're doing yourself a severe disservice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that uh, Joey Esposito says on a show all the time. It's just about the stories. Like, leave the other baggage at the door. Just read the stories. If you don't like the stories, then, then yes, it's fine. But don't take it before you get to the story. So but In this case, though, Gail brought the baggage with her. 
Yeah. And then told the story with the baggage, but again, which was just brilliant. That's the story. Like that's, yeah. and, and people don't realize that. I just think it's just, you know, maybe it's just a move that they want to return. I'm sure when DEC decided to do it, they went, okay, Barbara Gordon is the most iconic Batgirl. Let's move her back into Batgirl so we can maybe sell some more books because it'll have the, the red hair coming from behind her head into the blonde hair. Maybe it'll sell some more books. But that might be a corporate dictum, but then you give it to a writer and the writer does what, what they are going to do with that. You know, and she did something great with it. So I, I think in the end, that's all that really matters. Um, I do think we lost a great character with Oracle, and I do think it's okay for fans to miss Oracle. But yeah. Oracle and Barbara Gordon's Batgirl are the same person. Mm-hmm. Gail Simone brings that person to you know this book. She's still smart. She's still a super genius. She's still, I mean, she's Batgirl. She's Oracle, but. The heart of it, she's still Barbara Gordon. They're the same right. person. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, for those people who are freaking out, she's still the same person. The fact that, you know, she can walk again doesn't change like that she's still your favorite character. Yeah, absolutely you're absolutely right about that. Perfect. You're absolutely right about that. Um so we got a uh email, and this actually kind of pertains to um, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl and stuff like oh. that. Um, not really about that specifically, but um, John Dubrawa. <laughs> I'm sure that's the wrong way to say that name. Um, wants to know, you know, talk, but you talked about Hilly Rose. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it was last week's show you talked about it. Um, and I got him thinking about a possible discussion um, about what are your most tragically uncompleted storylines, characters, or series in comics. I know in the past you've talked about Spider-Girl despite a lengthy run, ended a bit yeah. prematurely. But I'm curious if anyone on the show has ever read anything that never got a proper ending due to cancellation of a book or a change in author. Steve wants to say something. Runaways. There you go. <laughs> Look for the article on Talking <laughs> Comics. <laughs> runaways, runaways, runaways. <laughs> hmm. Bring it back, finish it. <laughs> it's not the... canceled, though. Runaways is just on a hiatus for so three years possi- like i mean there's a possible chance that it could come back i know and i would be ecstatic i'm just bringing it up that they need to bring it back because if well, i'm just saying it's not. did you did you read all the way to the end and i i think i've mentioned this i right. read i okay. read some of joss's and terry's run and then i just kind of was like that oh. final page of of terry moore's run is one of in the last year, probably the second, I can't remember the first, but it was the most enraged I'd ever been at the end of a comic run. It was just one of those like contort your hand into a mighty claw and just go, What? That needs to, if, if <laughs> anybody has any, bring it back and don't reboot it. Start from where it ended and finish it. Sorry, that's my, I, okay. I'm, I'm pissed. I want it back. Off the top of my head, it's something that's happening right now. Matt Fraction's Defenders. I want that to go on for years. <laughs> it is just so great. And he's moving on to greener pastures. And mm. those, but this Defenders, this weird mix of characters, someone may pick the ball up from the. I want his Defenders to continue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, you know, I haven't been reading ongoing books long enough to really have a lot of, of those, those things in there. But... Uh, I would really like the Red Robin book 
to come back. I'd really like Tim Drake to have his own book. Red uh, Robin. <laughs> Yum. Like I said, Teen Titans just not do it for me. And he's one of my favorite characters, and I just I can't read him because he's not in any of their books except for Teen Titans. Uh, and occasionally in you know the other Bat Family books, but I love that character, and I I, I can't read him because he I just don't like the books that he is featured in right now, and I won't read a book I don't like just because has a character in it that I like. So for me, it's to bring back the Red Robin books. Uh, I know Chris Yost was doing a run on it. He now does Scarlet Spider for Marvel, but I would love to see that character get his own book again. Um, yeah, so that's that's for me. I mean, Stephanie, do you have anything? I mean, other than maybe, I mean, it's not really incomplete. It kind of has a ending, but I mean, other than Stephanie Brown's Batgirl, I don't really have too much. But I mean, Red Robin could easily fit back into the universe Yum. if they would just go ahead and cancel Catwoman. Well, I don't there think that's go. probably not going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> or at least give that a new writer. They are. Yes, I they wouldn't are. mind that being canceled, and I love Catwoman. Not yeah. that specific run, but again, new writers, same artist. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Uh, Anna Nossetti, I think she's the one who writes. Uh, She's been Green. a very long time. She's very good. Yeah, she writes Green Arrow right now. Um, she's like the third writer on Green Arrow, but uh, she's taking over Catwoman, I, I think, pretty soon, actually. I think Yay! after the zero. So there you go. But it is still uh, this Gillum March. Is that the... Mm. Judd, no, Judd yeah, Winnick. I like him. No, Judd Winnick no, is the like writer. I, oh. I think okay. his art and Judd Winnick's art direction weren't, you know... Friends. It's boobtacular. <laughs> and I have no problem with Gillen March's art. I love Gillen March's art. I think it's beautiful. I gotcha. just, yeah. Um, there. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, it's a great question, though, and when we think about it a little more, maybe we'll come up with some other stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, but for me, it's all those characters that just like, I love to see a Wally West flash book, you know, but mm-hmm. he doesn't even exist in the DC Universe right now. Uh, you know, Actually, okay. On that front, uh, a little bit ago, they brought back the Doom Patrol, and not the Grant Morris one. They had John Byrne do the one from the '60s, the Arnold Drake Primary, and it was going along really nicely. And all of a sudden, it was Bing! Oh, it's Keith Giffen, and all weird stuff is going on, and <laughs> islands are talking. And what? What just happened? Where, where, <laughs> could we finish the other story at least? Don't right. we just blow stuff up? No. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, give us a yuck. I'm giving you a yuck. You very rarely hear a yuck. Soon it'll be be profanity. Rare? Yeah, we rarely hear a yuck. I don't think that's true. What, (laughs) out loud? Oh, God, we should make it a drinking game. Yeah. (laughs) Do I actually say yuck out loud? You do. You you make noises that that are the equivalent to yuck. You got the fe... Yeah, see, there's a whole bunch. Okay. So everybody out there, every time, take a shot for Bob. (laughs) So we mentioned The Rocketeer before. New yes. book. Mm-hmm. Stephanie said, watch the movie. I'm looking at IGN right now. Um, it looks like Disney is going to make a new Rocketeer movie. <sighs> They're going to... There's another noise. Take a shot, everybody. No. Disney's not bad. They uh, make decent movies. They made the first Rocketeer. There you go. Yeah. J- who's directing? Do we know? No, no director, no writers yet. They're just... Uh, they're saying they want... <laughs> Um, they want they Bob's want, faces. They want to make a new classic. Rocketeer movie. I'm just letting you know what they're saying here, Bob. I don't understand why you're objectively averse to it. Squinty eyes with the sneer. The sneer. Because the first one is such a perfect little period piece. And if you can get Joe Johnston back again, that would be great. That would be great. The it only is, he's the only director who can direct the Rocketeer. Yeah, that, I'm saying that. That's yes. BS, Bob. 
That's BS. Zack Snyder's <laughs> Rocketeer. Now, see, that's what I'm afraid of. Well, which we may get. It'll have a bumping soundtrack. From Disney? Yeah. You're worried that you're going to get the Zack Snyder Rocketeer from Disney? I'm worried we're not going to get innocent 30s period piece. Knowing winks to the era it's made in and all the rest of it. Which the book has in spades. Okay, but you're saying that without any director or any writer. Right. There's, there's, no, there's no evidence to the fact that this won't be a, fanta- a fantastic movie. So you, your, your initial response to they're making a movie... Is, of eh, a, of a and property, go have another shot. Of a property you love... <laughs> yeah. ...is to be angry about it. <laughs> yeah, the first one is perfect. That's not true. <laughs> it is for me. It's not and perfect. And as someone who read it, when yeah. the books were coming out, that was a perfect representation of the comic as a movie. You wouldn't want to see him flying more? Be more stuff? It's not the- about the... It really isn't about the flying. If it turns into a special effects craptacular, I'm not interested. Would you- I, want, I want Cliff Secord. I want Betty, even though they call her Jenny. Okay, but there's no evidence that those things aren't going to be there. I'm just saying. Like, I, I just feel like the anger before you know anything about it is a little bit weird. Stephanie, you love the first Rocketeer. Are you with Bob on the being doubtful this will be good? Um, I don't know anything. I'm sorry, Bob. I, I do love it. I, I love it. But I mean, unless it's terrible and I don't know that it will be, I will, you know, wait to make a judgment call on that. Okay. He, he, Bobby asked me for my initial reaction. I did. And... I did. That was it. It Absolutely. may not be correct, but I'm going with it. I'm not <laughs> mad that you gave me your reaction. I'm just trying to, I'm just I mean, trying to get the bottom of it. I, here, here's my word. I haven't said it yet. I do think it's unnecessary, but I mean, I, I, I love the Rocketeer, so we'll see. <laughs> um, and a little, little bit of news I just saw here. Um, they've announced that the Huntress is going to be on Arrow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's good, and I think it's going to be the it's going to be the uh, Bertinelli. Yeah, it's Helena Bertinelli. So, what's so funny? Every time that I hear that name, I think of Bert and Ernie. Okay, and then I think of Ernie's laugh, and it makes me laugh. Um, the uh, Helena is set on destroying her father's organized crime empire, but Helena's blind pursuit of revenge will put her on a collision course with the, the arrow. arrow. With the arrow. Um, it's, they said like episode six after the injection of China White and Deadshot come into play. So Somebody actually tweeted about this, which brings me back to Gail Simone, but they said they should have Gail Simone write an episode of The Huntress on Arrow, and that would be kind of cool. Yes. That'd be very cool. Very, very cool. Um, so it does seem like they're op- they've already started opening up to a lot more DC characters on the Arrow, which we were kind of, when we first heard about it, we were all, we were, on the show, we asked kind of out loud to no one <laughs> that yeah. if they would have DC characters on the show, and it seems like they're already kind of going that way. So they gonna, listened to us. They did. Yeah, they're going to short circuit the Smallville thing and go right for it. Why wait five years? Yeah, and let's just. I mean, go this there. makes a little more sense though, because the whole dictum of Smallville was, this is Clark before the powers, before he knew anybody, and then they're like, wait a second, the show has gone on for six years. We have nothing else to do. <laughs> There's only so many times he can save somebody from a building when it's falling yeah. down. So they had to bring in like characters that made no sense. The Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, the lowest lane thing bothers more than anything else. In that show. 
Um, other than uh, the fact the show is not very good. That's <laughs> the other part of the show that, that bothers me. I kept trying. I kept checking in, and it was worse each time. Me too. Me too. Um, so are there any more books we want to talk about before we uh, go on to this week's releases? I just want to tell everybody that if, they're, if they haven't been keeping up or if you're not reading um, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, it is a lot of fun. Uh, I mentioned it a long time ago uh, on one of the older podcasts, yeah. but it's interdimensional travel. Uh, the art for it is absolutely awesome. Gigantic, hellish beasts. Um, really, really, really solid character work. Um, and it's it's funny. It's awesome. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know another nod to Jeff Lemire and to Matt Kent as well, who took over a couple issues ago. Uh, without even missing a beat, completely just picked up on his on his friend's work and ran with it. And um, if you like monsters, you like horror, and you want something again from the DC universe that's a little bit more of that ilk, uh, you cannot go wrong with uh, Frankenstein: Age of the Shade. Very nice. Um, so we're gonna get into this week's releases, and kind of in that vein, quick story um, about comic book stores. This week I was in Boston uh, seeing my friend Brad, who was one of the also one of the founding members of this this show, and. Um, we were going to be talking Jeff Lemire, and so I wanted to pick up Essex County because I didn't have it. And so I said, hey, let's go to Newberry Comics, which is a very famous comic book yeah. store and now kind of a chain in New England, but on the East Coast, it's a very big store. Uh, we walk into Newberry Comics, and the hardest thing to find in Newberry Comics is comic books. <laughs> it's like one little section of the store in the back. Now, the store is it's a cool store. They have a huge vinyl collection. They have really cool T-shirts and bags and shoes, and it's all... Really cool geeky stuff in general there, but the, the comics are not relegated to really kind of one corner. Um, what comics they have are kind of well organized. They're, you know, they have them in kind of like magazine racks, but they'll have like the newest issue on the in the front, and then you just look through the back, and usually they have up to like a certain amount of issues going back. So it's a pretty cool way to do it. You, you don't have to look a ton of places. Uh, I think it's just because they've relegated a very small area, so they have to kind of compact stuff. But really hard to find anything. There was nobody to help me. Um, it was it was not a great experience, especially something called Newberry Comics. I expected a lot of comic books. I expected like, oh, there'll be. I said to Brad before we walk in there, I was like, I want to find this X County book, but I really want to look through like the ten cent bin or the twenty five cent bin and find some cool books in there. You know, just hunt a little bit, just have a good time. Couldn't do that. There was none of that there. So we walked out. I was really disappointed. And Brad said, Well, are you willing to walk a couple minutes? I said, sure. He goes, well, there's this place in Kenmore Square, right near Kenmore Square in Boston. It's a great place, and it's a much more of a comic book shop than this is. It's a comic book shop. So it's a cool window place called Comicopia um, in Boston. And I walked in there, and I said, hey, do you have Essex County? And she goes, yeah, it's right here. And I said, do you have Underwater Welder? She's like, yeah, it's right here. They had a whole Jeff Lemire section. They had every book wow. organized by author, every trade organized by author. They had a ton of back issues, really well organized as well, just like the other place. Really friendly, really nice. Um, so if you guys are in Boston, um, you know, and you, you're looking for a good store, you don't know about it. Uh, Comicopia is awesome. Uh, they're at Comicopia on Twitter. So, you know, um, check them out cause they were really friendly and really nice. And I feel like that deserves to be paid forward. Uh, I'm reminded of the whole Planet Comics. Remember, there was some yep. of those around where they started as comic stores, and eventually it was a box in the corner in a store filled with games and statues and yes. T-shirts. I was exactly thinking of that same thing yeah. when I was in Newberry Comics. Rob worked at uh, Planet Comics for a long time. Oh, really? Did and I? I worked at the sister store 
So we worked in tandem with one another. I used to have to go over and do things for them all the mm-hmm. time. Right, and eventually it was bought by GameStop, right? I mean, it became, yeah. a, it became a GameStop uh, eventually. It but... slowly converted. Yeah. Fun fact, I actually bought uh, Resident Evil 1 for the PlayStation from them in the, in the large box. Remember when they used yeah, to come yeah. in those big, long yeah. ones? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Knew nothing about the game when I picked it up whatsoever. Brought it home and fell in love. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did have video games at uh, Newberry Comics stuff, but again, it's it, it, exactly the same thing. Cooler store than Planet Comics, because Planet Comics just became basically a video game store at a yes. certain point. Um, this is much more thing, a much more eclectic store, but just not a lot of comic books and something called Newberry Comics. Mm-hmm. You and, would think, and the reputation yeah. for the store, expecting a lot of cool stuff. Um, but places that do have comic books, you want to pick them up. Let's talk about what's coming out, what's on the shelves right now from Boom. We have Adventure Time number seven. Science. Uh, from Dark Horse, we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Slayer. Buffy <laughs> the Vampire Slayer. Spike number one of five. Desk 1020. Um, desk 1020. <laughs> Dark Horse presents number 15. Um, Dragon Age, Those Who Speak, number one of three. Fatima, The Blood Spinners, number three of four. <laughs> Lobster Johnson, The Prayer of Nef- Neferu. Snip, snip. It's a one shot. Um, Mind MGMT number four. Yeah. Uh, and Star Wars Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison number four. <laughs> oh. Spooky. You know, those Dark Horse books. They do a lot of books that have long names. May it the covers- bread and- three quarters of the cover <laughs> yeah, itself. It does, May the yeah. bread and water be with yeah. you. Uh, DC Comics, we have All Star Western number 12. Batman Incorporated number three is finally coming out. Yay! Um, Batman the Dark Knight number 12. Yeah! Uh, our final before Watchmen number one, Dr. Manhattan, is coming out. Number one, I'm that's... actually kind of excited for that because I want to see Adam Hughes' interiors. Yeah, he, Adam Hughes is the interior yeah. artist and JMS is the writer. I'll pick up number one and see how it is. Hopefully it's good. But at the most, it's going to cost me four bucks to see whether or not it's good. Yeah. Mm. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I know I will not keep buying it if it's bad, so I'm okay. I like the philosophicalness of his character. I might check yeah. it out. He's a, he's a great character. I just, uh, just want to see what happens. Uh, Fables number 120 is coming out. Huzzah! <laughs> uh, Flash number 12. Has an amazing cover. Yeah, the, the, this Friends Manipal is a pretty awesome artist. Yeah. Uh, Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Men number 12. A Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 12. I, Vampire, number 12. Hooray! Um, Justice League Dark, number 12. Yay! Madden Magazine, number 517. Oof. Savage Hawkman, number 12. Scalped, number 60. It's the final issue. Uh, Superman, number 12. Teen Titans, number 12. Unwritten, number 40. And Voodoo, number 12. Um, from Dynamite, we have Danger Girl and the Army of Darkness, number 6. Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man, number 12. Kirby oh. Genesis Dragon's Bane, Blah. number 3. Dragon's Bane. Queen Sonya, number 31. Ends with an A, which is good for them. It's true. Uh, Vampirella, number 21. Another one. Another ends with an A. Um, <laughs> no Panther or Thunder this week. That's no. too bad. Panther. From IDW, we have Cobra, number 16. La, 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 la. Danger Girl, G.I. Joe, number 2 of 4. Uh, Eternal Descent, Volume 2, number 6 of 6. Sounds dark. Um, it does sound... And Eternal. Eternal Descent does sound it's pretty go dark. forever. <laughs> um, Mars Attacks, number 3. Rocketeer, Cargo of Doom, Yay! number 1. <laughs> Star Trek, number 12. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 13. Transformers. Which one do you think it's going to be? 
more than meets the eye. You are correct, Bob. Number yes. eight. Nice. <laughs> you win nothing. <laughs> you win nothing. Uh, Image Comics from America's Got Powers, number three of six. Finally. Invincible, number 94. Whoa. Um, Planetoid, number three. Super Dinosaur, number 13. Super Dinosaur. And Youngblood, number 73. The Invincible thing is kind of crazy because it's another Robert Kirkman book that's almost at issue 100 in the same year. Which... I mean, this will end in 100 a little bit later. We but, also have a uh, review, yeah. and we have a uh, kind of catch-you-up overall story on the website that you should check out. Yeah, by Alexander, uh, talkingcomicbooks.com. Ah, yes. Yeah, he's really excited about it. So, um, yeah, so the, if you guys are not reading it or even reading it and you want to see what, what's going on, uh, check it out. Uh, Marvel Comics, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 692, Yay. which is our 50th anniversary issue. We have Astonishing X-Men number 53. Yeah. We have Avenging Spider-Man. Oh, no, sorry. That's a re- that's the second printing of Avenging Spider-Man number nine. So if you missed it the first time around, mm-hmm. some Captain Marvel goodness. Check it out. Brilliant number four. Holy How many months shit. out is this? I will this say point? that we Brilliant number one came out like the second month we were doing the show or something. Yep. So it's been like four issues in like eight months or something like that. Yep. Ouch. It's been a long time. I'm excited about it, though. Uh, Captain America and Namor, 635.1. Second printing of Captain Marvel number one. Awesome. With a variant cover, so check that out. Oh, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe number four of four. Um, (laughs) We had an interesting, I think it was a tweet to us talking about somebody looking for those issues, and like number two was like $40 or something. Yeah. uh, On Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Wait about three months. It'll be people have been $4. really. Everybody that I've talked to that's been reading it has been really enjoying it. It's funny, but and the first two issues I think got where the first issue got a very good review on IGN, and then number two, no, number two, one, two got good reviews on IGN. Number three got like a two. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on with that, but um, Disney's Fairies Magazine number eight. Ooh. <laughs> Magical. <laughs> Um, Invincible Iron. Sorry, Stephanie. What was that? Oh no! Carry on. <laughs> uh, Invincible Iron Man number five twenty three. Um, Punisher number fourteen, which I'm excited about. It's the first new issue since I've got caught up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Secret Avengers number thirty. Mm-hmm. Super Crooks number four of four. Um, Uncanny X Men number seventeen. Ultimate Comics: The Ultimates number fourteen. <laughs> Uh, Untold Tales of the Punisher Max, number three of five. Venom, number 23. Web of Spider-Man, number 129.1. Wolverine, number 312. Uh, Wolverine Annual, number one. X-Men Legacy, number 272. Yay. Um, from Oni Press, Courtney Crumran, number five. Yes. Is coming out. Sorry. Really? I, what? No, what is? I'm not, I, we were doing the... It's a, I, I've been enjoying it a lot. It's gothic. It's kind of kitty. Um, it's one of those, feels more like a scholastic, kind of like an amulet, um, type of book more so than anything else. It looks kind of like, like a Tim Burton claymation movie to me. Like, you know, it looks like Corpse Bride or something like that. It's, it's witches and goblins and, you know, uh, nightmare worlds and portals. It's, it's neat. Cool. Yeah. It looks like a cool little book. And from, uh, Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales number 76 and Grim Fairy Tales Myths and Legends number 19. I wouldn't know. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't been reading that. <laughs> so uh, that's this week's releases. Uh, some big stuff coming out this week. Um, some exciting stuff. 
And um, that's it for our show. Uh, we managed, without doing a topic, to go almost two hours. So I think that's pretty good. Oh. Or pretty bad, considering yeah, what people would think out there. Uh, we've got uh, Jeff Lemire coming up on Friday, so look out for that show, our interview Jeff with Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, at Talking Comics on Twitter. Info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. And TalkingComicBooks.com is the address of the site. Um, we got a lot of uh, reviews coming up. We also... Uh, three pretty big features go up in the last week or so. One for me, one from Bob, and one from Steve. Um, and we really, guys, check those out if you could because uh, uh, they're kind of all kind of passionate pieces. So you guys check that out. We'd be really appreciative of that. Um, and other than that, um, for me, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Uh, Steve is at dead underscore anchorist. Stephanie. I am Hello Cookie. And Bob, your email address? Uh, it's Bob Ryer at talkingcomics.com. Talkingcomicbooks.com. Talkingcomicbooks.com. While we're doing the can internet thing, can I too. just throw something in Absolutely, here? Absolutely, Bob. We got a really nice link from Trina Robbins, uh, who I was exchanging some email with, who looked at the piece I put up, and linked her interview with us to a site called Share the Wonder, the Wonder Woman Message Project, which is actually curated by the granddaughter of William Moulton Marston, who created Wonder Woman all those years ago, and she's spread the, the news about us then. So thank you to Christy Marston and Trina Robbins. Absolutely, Absolutely. yes. Good point. I believe we're also on the on Wonder the, Woman Network. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I believe that's like that's the... Oh, that's the, that's like the blanket name for it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, their conjunct. Because I looked at the site, and they had like pictures of the museum that you that's were talking about. That's the museum about. site, is, okay. the, is the yeah. network. Yeah, Indeed. which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. I was going to say quickly, this is not Wonder Woman related, but I mentioned last week because I got my weeks mixed up that Fan Expo in Toronto is this week. It's actually this week. It's happening. <laughs> and if anyone's around uh, on Friday or Saturday, I'll be wandering the floor and just hanging out. So if you're around, tweet me and um, say hi. Mm-hmm. Autographs. Absolutely. Stephanie, you will not be with us next week. Is that correct? That is correct. I will be headed to Chicago for, hmm. you know, shenanigans like I do. I'll be headed there for uh, Worldcon. So very cool, mm-hmm. very cool. So Rob is going to sit in the fourth chair, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk a little about Spider Man next week. Um, you think, Dad? Before we leave, Bob, you look yes, a little bit. As a, as a matter of fact, yes. Yeah. <laughs> as a matter of fact, yes. Uh, it is August twenty second. So August twenty second, eighteen ninety three, was Dorothy Parker's birthday. Okay. So I'd like to close with a poem. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bob's going to close with a poem. Which we haven't done. We'll go literary okay. here. This is called Resume, and it's from 1926. <coughs> <laughs> Razors pain you, rivers are damp, acids stain you, drugs cause cramp. Guns aren't lawful, nooses give, gas smells awful, you might as well live. Beautiful. All right. Good way Cheery. to end the show, Bob. Good Thank way you. to end the show. <laughs> so for Steve. Uh, au revoir. <laughs> Bob. Ciao. And Stephanie. Mwah. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>